division and community. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Stay Curious, a podcast where we want to create diversity in thought without creating division and community. I am your co-host, Matt Fisher, and I am here with my co-host, the very sad Mr. John Wagler. <laughs> uh, John, how are you really doing? How am what I your, really doing? What is your core emotion right now? <laughs> I won't get into my Stay Furious yet. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Other than what I will talk about and stay furious. You're okay. I'm okay. I feel like as a third party observer, your week has been going fairly well besides <laughs> that one thing, which we will get into. Yeah. Um, so this week, um, we are going to be continuing our series on um, Voice of the Heart, um, which is a book by Chip Dodd um, that we are talking about in our church community here at Hill City. Um, and we're going through each week and talking about a core, is that what he calls them? Core emotions. Core emotions. Yeah, that's yeah. what I call them. Yeah. A core emotion. Um, we have so far, recap for us, done. Hurt. Hurt was number Lo- one. Yeah, and then loneliness. Loneliness. Yeah. And this week, to keep the party going, yeah, because <laughs> what a party, <laughs> we're going to be talking about sadness. Yeah. Um, and some of you may be saying, well, hurt and lonely and sadness seem sort of similar. You're right, but also so different. Yep. Um, and so distinct. Maybe we should get Chip Dodd on the podcast. I feel like we could. I would love to listen to his voice. I know. <laughs> he has this really great... I haven't listened to his podcast yet, but I listened to the book on tape. Oh, yeah. Uh, on tape. <laughs> on cassette. <laughs> in my 1998 blazer. Hey, um, <clears throat> tell me you were born in the 90s. Yeah, or tell me you were a teenager in the 90s. In the 90s yeah. <laughs> um, I listened to the audiobook, and uh, he just has this really great grandpa... He does, for sure. Like, yeah. hey, like Southern accent, but not in a way that makes you feel suspicious. Yeah. His <laughs> podcast is, uh, you think he might be the nicest person like, on the face of this you? planet. He yeah. has, you know what? Dare I say he has Mr. Rogers energy mm. a little bit. Mm, what a, a high compliment. <laughs> good comparison. Um, so today we're going to be talking about the core emotion of sadness, how to access it, what to do with it, um, and just kind of expanding on the message um, from our church this past Sunday that John preached. But before we do sadness, we're going to do uh, the core emotion that we access each and every week here on Stay Curious in our not-so-new segment called Stay, Stay Furious. Furious. All right, we're both headbanging over here um, just to that tasty riff that I wrote. Um, <laughs> it's funny because it actually comes from a song from my band, uh, Contact, that's a like an anti-gun, pro-peace, yeah. non-angry <laughs> song. But <laughs> for here, it's for the furiosity. John, yes, I know what your state furious is because I've witnessed it You're happen in in the in the room. Tell us what's making you furious this week. Oh man, my tooth chipped. This is going to be the fourth, I think, crown. It's kind of crazy too because I feel like you're a brush and floss guy. Totally, I, you I truly floss just are cursed every day. Bad I take over the last twenty years in particular. <laughs> yeah, maybe actually longer than that. I'm forty six, but I've taken good care of my teeth, yeah. really good care, and yeah. so I'm pretty meticulous about it. Even getting like the tools at home to do certain. Cleanings. Do you have a water pick? I have. I didn't love that. Oh, I love a water pick. You, uh, I need to get one again. Yeah, I did get recently one of those like vibrating. Um, uh, you know how like when they like scrape your teeth? Yeah. Like I got one of the vibrating ones. Is this the most boring thing we've ever talked I about? I know. This is, we are in full NPR mode right now. We are quietly talking about our <laughs> dental care. However. I like a water pick. I've taken really good care of my teeth. Yeah. And yesterday, 
eating an almond in front of you? Yes, we were having a very serious conversation. My freaking tooth cracked. I couldn't believe that you finished the conversation. <laughs> I had no idea that it happened. You kind of went, up, oh, and then yeah. I literally didn't barely notice that you reacted. We were vibing, and I didn't want to like distract you. We were having me. a very helpful to me conversation, <laughs> and then at the end of it, you spit a giant piece of your tooth out, and you go, look at that. And it was a sizable piece of tooth. I know. Dude, that's Anyway, sucks. was in there for a while yesterday. Finishing it up today. Okay. Two-parter. A two-part crown. Oh, nothing like going to the dentist to have dental work done two days in a row. Guy was great, though. Yeah? Yeah. Was it- Oh, maybe our sponsor could be- River Run Dental. River Run Dental. <laughs> We're all at? in. We're all in on You need to talk to them today. For After, sure. Yeah, you definitely yeah. need to talk to them tonight <laughs> or oh, today. Man. So was it a time restraint that you didn't finish it yesterday? Yeah. Oh, they did all the hard work. Um, honestly, uh, I know this is not what we're supposed to talk about, but like the shot he gave me was the- most painful shot I've ever had at the dentist. I've had a lot of it, a really? ton of feelings, but it was also the most effective one. So I was like all in. He he said, he goes, hey, this is going to give you a big pinch for like three seconds. And I was like, ah, this yeah. is not my first rodeo. Yeah. Like I've had like 14 feelings. Yeah. So I was like, whatever. But he was like, felt like he was like going through my jaw. Oh. And, uh, and, but I got done, you know, he was like, it was like two, a two second pinch, yep. you know, whatever. And it was, you know, moderately painful, mm-hmm. but man, he did such a wonderful job with the Novocaine. I mean, you want to know what's interesting that I found out recently? And I don't, maybe there is science behind this. I am treated differently because of the color of my hair. Really? They always give me the super Novocaine. Huh. I never realized that until I talked to somebody else about their dental work. Yeah. And what you're describing, the like really gnarly pinch for like a little longer than normal, I've never had anything different. Tattoo artists do the same thing. Interesting. They like... I was like, yeah, they like check in on me all the time. I'm like, I'm fine. Yeah. Because I guess redheads have like a lower pain tolerance or Hmm. I know that we are, I think that it is scientific that we're like genetically resistant to, um, what do they call it? Um, analogistic, whatever's in like Novocaine and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Um, because even like a tattoo artist one time was like, I could give you the weird numbing cream that people get now, but it's probably not going to work. Yeah. I was like, well, that's fine. I never got it anyway. But yeah, they always give me like the super shot at the dentist. It's huh. crazy. My and... eyeballs go numb <laughs> when I go to the dentist. <laughs> like I can't blink. But it was good. It was fine. I mean, it is what it is. It is what it is. It is a little agitating. But it is agitating. It would be less agitating if you're like, uh. like my teeth are bad because I could take better care of them, quite honestly. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like you do a good job and still <laughs> still you're punished. Here we are. Oh, man. That so really long. <clears throat> I don't. Yeah. that It's like I don't even want to. I don't even want to add to that. It's such a valid, <laughs> it's such a valid agitation, you know. But enough about our anger. <laughs> That'll be next week. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. We can maybe have a little more conversation about how anger can sometimes be a masking emotion for sadness. Um, but we're going to take a quick break and then talk about this core emotion of sadness. What its gift is. What it's what is it? It's a gift and an impairment. Yeah gift and impairment and how we can wade into the waters of our sadness then wade back out towel off and go about our day <laughs> so stick around Y'all know we stay curious over here. Here, 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 here. all right and we're back to talk about sadness <laughs> sad. sad why are you so sad <laughs> so sad. why are you acting that way i am man of constant sorrow um so john tell me a little bit about well first off i'll start with like the question i feel like i've been asking you is there anything on the top of your mind that you're like, dang, I wish I could have fit this into my mm. my talk on Sunday? It's a good question. You know, I think 
I probably would have liked to spend a little more time talking about how we get nurtured into um, avoiding sadness, mm. you know, um, because it doesn't look tough or it doesn't. I I'd like briefly talked about it, but mm. I think it would have been good to like have people sit with what are some of the terms that they use in their head to avoid sadness, you okay. know, and like, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Uh, like sayings that they might have, you know, whatever, yeah. um, things that they might have been raised with that has contributed to to. Uh, uh, conceptually like uh, or intellectually like to be able to like avoid sadness at all Mm. costs you know and so I think there was a piece that would have been good to think through maybe some of the things that you know your parents taught you or just culturally just engaged with what are some things you think either you were taught or that you hear a lot from people like in counseling settings or conversational settings that are sort of circumventing sadness instead of processing it you know like uh, people go through worse that's a big one. Um, yeah. 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 Um, it's not that bad. You know, yeah. I'll get over it. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, um, you know, this, this is just a moment. Like yeah. it, you know, just kind of like yeah. putting a timeline on their grief mm. that is a self-imposed timeline. The, the, but world, the world keeps turning. Yeah. Not that, yeah. yeah like stuff like that. Yeah. 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 I definitely, the, the whole one that I think actually probably does have some wisdom in it at its base, but is often misused is what doesn't kill you makes you str- makes you stronger. Sure, like yeah, well, yeah. you know, you know, it's it's sometimes it's it sometimes it's the words like get over it. We don't want to hear that. Yeah. you know, we that's not healthy. Um, suck it up. You know, we've talked about that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like good stuff used the wrong way. Yeah, I totally agree because there yeah. is an element. You and I both agree in this part. There, there's an element of like in terms of mental resilience mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a fight and a grit that you do want that, yeah. you know? So there is like a piece of yeah. some language that moves you in that direction is okay and is, mm-hmm. a, is healthy, but I think it's in the context of having to actually process the sadness, yeah. you know, to be able to, um, you know, the gift of sadness is acceptance of what you're going through. Well, mm-hmm. if you can accept what you're going through, uh, you can go through it, mm-hmm. you know, and then you are exposed to larger truths of things, you know, whatever that might be, um, that begin to build in a level of resilience and strength that uh, can only be achieved if you actually like work through your sadness and not avoid it. Yeah. And I think like what's helped me, because I'm definitely a person who, who does tend to wallow or my, I'm like intoxicated by my sadness Mm. a little bit. I think some of that, we don't want to make everything about Enneagram, but like some of that is my personality Mm -hmm. type, right? Like um, that I am uh, Victor Hugo, the guy who wrote Les Mis, he right. has this great quote that melancholy is the joy of being sad. And like, I really have that. Even in times when I was at my bottom, like not sure if I want to be here anymore, like really, really deep in, I can remember it's almost like a sort of warm feeling. It's really weird. Put on some really sad music, weep, you know, tell people don't touch me, don't talk to me. I'm just, I'm broken. I can never be fixed. Yeah. There is a weird, if I'm honest, a weird comfort to it. Um, or a weird, I've heard people describe, uh, or, or I've heard it said that like when you, I think it's when you die of hypothermia, there's like a weird moment right before you, you die that like of warmth and like safety right before (laughs) you go. Um, and that's almost like what it's like. Like it, you just wallow in it because there is a weird or yeah you think about like pigs wallow in mud to like cool off right sure (laughs) it's almost like (laughs) that's the feeling and i but i think that people just aren't people who struggle with that feeling of being intoxicated by sadness i just don't think that they're honest about it 
Yeah. Like I wasn't. I wasn't honest with myself to be able to look in the mirror and go, I like this feeling a little bit yeah. in, in this weird way. I hate it, but I like it too. Yeah, well, if you're not, if you're not honest about it, I can't lead you to actual joy. You right. know, I can't lead you to the right spaces. Yeah. It's like when someone's, uh, you know, someone might be like super emotional. Yeah. You know, they have almost too much emotion, yeah. you know, yeah. and they're managing it all the time. Mm-hmm. That's not actually healthy, yeah. you know, because you're not processing it all in the right way and, and the emotions control everything. And then the opposite is someone who avoids all emotion yeah. is not healthy because so often it can lead to depression and anxiety, mm-hmm. you know. And so there's it's just interesting thinking about the sadness piece and because we all go through hard times. We all go through yeah. suffering. We all go through pain. Life is hard, all that stuff. And how we're, you know, how do you uh, in a healthy way approach it of like, all right. I need to accept the reality of what I'm going through and how do I experience this? How do I keep, you know, and from a faith perspective, how do, how does, how do the words and the hope of Jesus mm-hmm. infuse yeah. my view of like the sadness or suffering that I'm going through and, um, but yet still appreciating the grief, yeah. you know, in the time of it and the morning of it, all mm. that. Yeah. Yeah. I think the word intoxicating, I think is important for those of us who, I want to get your perspective on somebody who may be, aired more on the side of like pushing sadness away mm. or like not, yeah. you know, wallowing or whatever. But f- for me, the idea and maybe folks with similar personality structures struggle with depression, anxiety. For me, it was that um, I needed to learn to look out for that that feeling of intoxication because it's OK to be sad. It's OK to have a drink every right. once in a while. Yeah. Right. It's a, the moderate all things in moderation. Right. Yeah. Like that's good. It was the feeling of. It's similar to I've heard people describe it, and probably I've been in this situation, when people talk about a relationship being intoxicating, like, mm-hmm. oh, we just fight, and then we make up, yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah. you know, there's just something to the drama of it all that feels intoxicating. And the like, intensity of the, the moment. The intensity, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and just no, just realizing that, like, you know, does the Bible ever use the word depression? No. Does the Bible specifically use the word mental health or psychology or psychiatry? No. But when the Bible talks about staying sober, staying sober-minded, yeah, for sure talking about wine and drugs and all that stuff, but also like being intoxicated by yourself, being mm-hmm. intoxicated by your own emotions, mm-hmm. whether it's anger or, or sadness or fear. And and like I think keeping keeping a vigilant eye, which we're also told to do, on ourselves of like – Am I just feeling the sadness or am I being intoxicated by yeah, it? Am I enjoying yeah. this beer or glass of wine or am I like wanting one more and one more? And like, am I being intoxicated? Am I being impaired or intoxicated or sucked in to the goodness of it? Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. I actually think, you know, on the flip side to someone who might avoid, I, mm-hmm. you know, the word intoxication or intensity, um, you know, I did talk a little bit in the sermon about manipulation. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, you can almost manipulate yourself yeah. you know or you're manipulating others in mm-hmm. terms of your own experience you know i'm you know for me i would lean more towards the avoidance of sadness mm-hmm. because you know i know this is a physical like when people talk about this an exercise they mm-hmm. talk about like pain is weakness leaving mm-hmm. the body yeah. you know and yeah. but there is like an element of that's how i think i'm naturally whether that was nurtured into or my natural bent mm-hmm. whatever is an element of to avoid that sadness because uh, why engage it mm-hmm be stronger, get over it, like, mm-hmm. you know, and so um, without realizing what that actually leads you into, mm-hmm. you know, and, 
you know, I, I think about how often uh, throughout my life, if I had just engaged sadness in the right way in the front end and appreciated grieving, mm-hmm. how much my empathy and compassion for people would have grown mm-hmm. earlier on in my life. Yeah. You know, how much I would have honestly uh, experienced life f- to a, f- a fuller level mm-hmm. um, if I had just appreciated the sad moments, yeah. you know? Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, how can you appreciate a meal if you don't know what it's like to be hungry? Yeah. Right. Like, you don't. Um, that's really good. Uh, I think something that really, like, sort of turned my mind on this issue. First off, I want to say that, like, I was and am somebody who struggles with depression. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like when I talk to people who struggle with with addiction. I did need medicine to I, I got so deep into my addiction to my own sadness. Right. And my mm-hmm. own worry that, like, I needed a chemical readjustment. You know, some sure. people you I can't. It's called like. um I can't remember the name of it, but like there's a drug out now for opioid addicts where it like actually re it like blocks certain there's a neural inhibitor. It's like noxaprone or something like that. Um, like there are times when you need therapy and if you're so deep into the addiction to your own feelings. Um, so I don't want to like gloss that over. I know it's been important for certain people to say or, or to hear like somebody on the podcast or up on stage say like, this is something I struggle yeah, with. I'm like, absolutely. that's okay. It's yeah. to normalize it. But as I think about um, being pulled out of it or walking slowly out of it, something that really helped me was reorienting my uh, imagination and my thoughts around the concepts of strength, grit, and resilience. Mm. Um, so to think of strength or grit, I think we often think of like grit, like we think of like a rough yeah. you know, sandpaper or like true grit, like a hard, you know, eye patch wearing cowboy. Or strength is like how strong is a wall or a tank or or a strong person. Um, I really that's why I really like this term resilience. Um, this is a very long way of saying all this, but one of the things that helped me was imagining like if you take a rock or a piece of steel or like something that's strong, right, and you hand it to the Hulk or Superman, right? Mm-hmm. We're using our imaginations to work through this. They can squish it because they're super. Str- they're stronger. There's always somebody stronger than your strength, right? Mm-hmm. Hand Superman a stress ball, and he what does he do with it? He squeezes the <laughs> same thing you do with it. Right. He squeezes it, and then he lets it go, and it goes back to its normal shape. You know, it's like that kind of strength where it's like resilience. You go back to your shape. Yeah, you go. You, you know, you get squeezed, you get hurt, you get sad, lonely, all angry, but then you return to your shape. Yeah, does that make sense? It does. I've heard people use like the rubber band analogy a lot. Right. You know, it's like the same premise. Like yeah. It's stretched, yeah. but it comes back. Yeah. You know? Stretched, but it comes back. Yeah. Whereas if it's a very strong piece of iron or a stick or something, it breaks. It breaks. Yeah. yeah. Or it doesn't. It bends and doesn't retain its shape. Yeah. So that might be helpful for folks yeah. that are struggling with. It's those words. interesting mentioning the depression element too, because you know, in his book, he puts depression with anger. I'll mm. actually talk about that with uh, this upcoming week, mm-hmm. but. He doesn't put it with sadness. It's like an interesting, yeah. um, I don't, you know, th- there are reasons that he does that um, because he believes that, you know, depression is a result of not coming to grips with so many of your emotions. Mm-hmm. And so it isn't just sadness. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into it that he he talks about how you depress, mm-hmm. like you, you yeah. press away things mm-hmm. that takes away your desires mm-hmm. that are good. Mm-hmm. And so eventually it turns into depression. Yeah. You know, and so yeah. he's like, and so anyway. 
and that he is Chip Dodd, oh, yeah, author sorry. of yeah. Voice of the Heart. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember really resonating with that part of the book. Yeah. Um, it's just interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like my, I know my experience with. Does he use the fire analogy? Like anger is a fire that you throw things into. He no. Yeah, I can't remember who uses that analogy. But what I figured out was like I was perceived both by myself and those outside of me as having an anger problem, and I do. I have a temper for mm-hmm. sure. But what I came to realize was it was really just like a fire that I kept burning to throw my other emotions into yeah. instead of dealing with them, yeah. which eventually it led to depression and anxiety. Yeah. Right? Um, and we can talk more about that on the anger episode, but this idea that anger is like a masking or consolidating emotion. Sometimes it's the core emotion, but sometimes it's the emotion that we use to like get rid of the other emotions, mask the other emotions, yeah. or avoid problems with ourselves or others. Yep. You just get angry about it because it's easier. Anger is easy. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Pretty yeah, easy yeah, yeah. to be angry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so tell me a little bit more about your experience with um, coming to grips with your sadness. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, you've talked about the, um, we, you know, pain is weakness, body uh, leaving <laughs> yeah. the body or, or like the sort of toughness. How did you move from that into having a more dynamic relationship with your your own sadness. I think the first time I felt genuine sadness was when my brother-in-law, Adam, like was killed in a car accident. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think actually, you know, part of our intensive, this helped me discover that, you know, yeah. this past summer. But when I look back, did I have sad moments in my life? Sure. You know, but I think the first time I actually dealt with sadness, admitted my sadness, experienced the reality of sadness mm-hmm. and grief was in that moment. Mm-hmm. And, um, You know, so through that, um, he was 18 years old and through all of that, that actually led me, I believe was the first step in me learning what compassion and empathy actually were Mm -hmm. and to have that begin to develop at the core of my being. But also it led me to, to have start to understand and value and honor like life Mm. and, um, that came through sadness. That came through uh, realizing how deeply grieved I was that Adam was no longer here, mm-hmm. you know? And and so it was through that, because I think I, I had avoided it my whole life, yeah. you know, for a lot of reasons. And, and it wasn't just because someone was sitting there telling me, like, don't be sad. Yeah. It was just my, as a kid, like some of the stuff going through with like, you know, we've talked about my biological father, like not being there and all that other stuff, like going through all that stuff, I, my, for one reason or another, Mm -hmm. the choice my younger self made was to shut off everything, you know? And so, um, so I never like fully dealt with emotion. So I think in that moment, that was the first time, honestly, so I was 24 or 25. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was the first time that I, I think I genuinely engaged sadness, genuinely engaged grieving, uh, genuinely, uh, tried to process it, experience it. And that led me to like opening up a piece of me that I think had been closed off for a long time. What was the result of that? Maybe then and now? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, looking back, yeah. it I think it started uh, this shepherding mindset in me that it was not there. I had always been a leader mm-hmm. um, in for anything I was in. Uh, but that actually started, that was a, I didn't realize it at that moment, but I mean, I think that was a precursor to what could it mean to like shepherd people, mm. you know, through tough things and um, to be a loving, caring leader um, that cared about the right things. And, and that I think was the starting point. And I think, you know, even 
um, one of the things that also opened my mind is, you know, uh, I think it was, I don't know if it was this past March or the one before that. I remember Lace and I just sitting there and she was having a tough time. You know, the, it happened, you know, 21 years ago, but the, we were just had like a moment where like there was still a level of sadness there, you know? And, um, and that reality also shows you that you don't necessarily like shut the loop on your grief, mm-hmm. you know, and it's okay if it lingers, it's okay if there's a piece of it, but it doesn't have to define your, your life. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to define your story. It doesn't have to, uh, take you down, you know, it can be okay that it, it hangs around mm-hmm. longer than you wanted it to, as long as you're processing it and allowing, uh, the ability to speak to the other side of it, mm-hmm. you know, and what's on the other side of it, you yeah. know? And so that, and that comes the acceptance kind of element that, you know, Chip talks about in the book. But so for me, that was probably the biggest point I think of where, and I was like, all right, that's when I really, began to engage the reality of sadness and understanding it. What do you think led you, tell me more about what led you to avoid the sadness. What was the feeling? Was it a fear of seeming weak? Was it a fear that you'd never feel joyful again? Can you, in retrospect, sort of unpack what, and maybe even now, like, you know, our personalities don't suddenly change. Yeah. Right? Like you might still yeah. struggle with sadness or, or feeling it fully. Mm-hmm. What, do you th- what do you think is the emotion behind that? Uh, I would say fear and shame would be the two. Yes. I think, you know, I, I think there was a, uh, I don't, there was a fear of um, being embarrassed mm-hmm. about being sad about something or, you know, that might be looked at as weakness. Um, I think that there was a shameful element that, you know, I had this desire to be a certain kind of man, mm-hmm. you know, and to uh, exhibit uh, any kind of, emotion that was centered around sadness or engage it. I think if I'm, you know, looking back, mm-hmm. you know, that was a, that was a part of it. Like mm-hmm. that would be like a shameful thing that it would like somehow be a hit in my identity mm-hmm. as a man that I couldn't engage it in that way. And I just let that, you know, kind of fester and shape how I just viewed the world around me and how I viewed other people's sadness. You know, there, I was unable to mourn with people that mourn. Mm. Which is I something we're just called couldn't to do. do. Yeah. And there's no, there was no realistic way for me to do that. Whereas now it's interesting. I was sharing with someone um, not that long ago, just I had done a funeral for someone I didn't know. Hmm. And um, I get choked up at every funeral I do. Yeah. It, and I've done, you know, several now and that I didn't know the person, but I get like, and, and I was saying that that was an indicator that there was something like really healthy happening in my heart, yeah. you know, to mourn with people that were mourning yeah. and to kind of feel it. Yeah, because I think a lot of the, and I think one of the reasons that anxiety and depression are so closely linked is it's that feeling of, I'm not supposed to feel that way. That's yeah. the real problem. Mm. It's not, it's the feeling of like, I can't be sad because I'm not supposed to be or because it's a it's a pool that I'll drown in. You know, it's it's a, they, they say, like if you talk to lifeguards or people that work um, around pools or, or the ocean or whatever, what makes you drown is the panic. You drown faster if you yeah. panic. They always tell you if you don't know how to swim and you get sucked out, stay calm. Right. Because it's the panic that makes you drown. It's the belief that you're not supposed to swim into the pool of sadness and then swim out, towel yourself off mm-hmm. and go about your life that makes you panic and drown in it. 
you know, and that yeah. panic can come from fear. Oh, if I'm sad, I'll seem weak. That was a big one for me. I perceive myself as a weak person. Right. Yeah. And so that was why I replaced sadness with anger, anger. because yeah. anger seems strong. Yep. But the problem, I, it was same problems. Then I had anxiety instead of depression, and then eventually it led to depression anyway. Yeah. Um, so that fear of weakness. Um, and we all hit that point where when we're children, no one's telling us it's wrong to cry in a healthy environment anyway. And then whether it's middle school or whatever, eventually you're told, oh, well, don't cry about it. You're not supposed yeah. to cry about that. Or you're not supposed to feel sad about that. And yeah. then you get that lie in your head. Well, I'm not supposed to feel this way. And then you panic and then down you go. I think it's interesting you mentioning that, you know, it led to like depression, anxiety yeah. stuff. Cause like mine led to pride and arrogance. Right. You know, and, and that's, you know, the different, yeah. the different paths that we took on the same thing yeah. around sadness. It just, yours led one way, mine led the other, but both are yeah. super unhealthy. Do you think that, um, <clears throat> do you think that that would have eventually, is there a chance that that would have eventually led to, like, do you think that if you had continued to walk that path of mm -hmm. pride and arrogance, not dealing with your sadness, yeah. do you think it was kind of like running up a check that would come due one day? I just wonder, I, and I don't know, I, I think I, I, yes, I. well, here's what I think would yeah. have happened. I think I would have been so disconnected from my emotions that I would have ruined every relationship around me eventually. Okay. Because I think I would have been, you know, like, stop crying about that. Like, I, I think mm -hmm. I would have just had that. Mm -hmm. um, I for sure wouldn't have been able to be a pastor, mm -hmm. you know, and I just... Or not a good one. Not a good one. Could have been a pastor like, somewhere, of unfortunately. Not, yes, I know. <laughs> but not a good one. And I don't know, you know, I, I've often wondered, like, what would have happened in my marriage or as a yeah. father? Because, like, I, I think I would have just been so disconnected. Yeah. And I think I would have had an unhealthy marriage. Mm -hmm. And um, and then, it, yeah, and been alone. Yeah. Right. You I know, mean, I think that's where it ends, away. you yeah, know, totally. like you just kind of then consume every relationship in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. I think about that a lot. Like what's the, what's the end goal of avoiding all of that stuff, yeah. you know, or and what's I, the end like result? Rather? Yeah. And I think also too, when I was saying earlier about like not closing the loop on your sadness, mm -hmm. I think that, or, or your grief, cause I think I also, if I had just kept down that pride and arrogance route, I wouldn't have been able to see like the bigger truths of things, mm. you know, and the bigger kind yeah. of elements of like, I would have said, yeah, I have hope, yeah. but I wouldn't have yeah. like big hope, yeah. you know, I wouldn't like, yeah, yeah, that was enjoyable, yeah. but it would have been like as enjoyable yeah. as it should have been. Like, I think it would have been like cutting off the fullness of life so much. Yeah. Hanging out in the shallow end. Yeah. Right? Like never knowing the joy of yeah, going yeah. off the diving board. Um, that's good. That's good. So one, we could probably do like a 10 part series <laughs> on this one, but, um, Something that sticks out to me that I really liked from your message and that's kind of developing in my head as we talk is this idea of like the relation, bear with me, between sadness and time, mm. which, you know, time's fake. But uh, <laughs> no, sadness sure. and time, you you know, you said that it causes us to slow down. Yeah. You had a great little anecdote or like sort of joke where you were like, if somebody's having a panic attack in yeah. front of you, you don't go, okay, <laughs> you're like, you're doing good, harder, 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 harder. You know, yeah. you say... Breathe in, breathe yeah. out, like, you know, ground yourself. If you're smart, that's what you do. Yeah. But I think instinctually, even a non-trained, non-counseling <laughs> sure. person would not, like, encourage a panic attack <laughs> to speed up. And so it's, like, slowing down. It's okay. Yeah. And I think that that's, like, a huge – the idea of slowing down, of creating space, of not having a scarcity mindset. Mm -hmm. It's okay. There's enough. There's enough life. There's enough time. You can process this. Because I think so much of not processing sadness and a lot of these emotions, but definitely sadness, is just like, I don't have time. Yeah. I don't have time for that. Yep. Like, what do I, you know, that, so I'm true. sure you had that feeling of, I don't have time to sit around and mope about this. Yeah. I got stuff to do. Yep. 
Um, and that feeling of, ne- I know when my depression was at its worst was when my life was at its fastest, mm. always. When I never feel like I had a second to breathe. When I never, when it was always the next goal, the next sale, the next show, whatever. Yeah. Was always when depressed, because it was my body in some ways being like, you have to slow down. So if you don't slow down, I'm going to slow you down. Now you can't get out of bed. Yeah. Like literally yeah. physically can't pull yourself out of bed. Yeah. It's that sort of like counteraction. It is. Like when you think about the reality, even like all the teachings of Jesus, like none of them are centered around hurry. Yeah. You know, or self-sufficiency or get as much done as possible. Like mm-hmm. it just, that's not part of the kingdom of God. It's not part of what our mindset should be. And so mm-hmm. even the reality of Sabbath and rest and what it does for our bodies and, mm-hmm. you know, times of prayer and meditation, mm-hmm. like all these things, like science proves it. Yeah. You know, like you don't yeah. have to even be a Christian to understand these parts, yes. but like when you add the the reality of who Jesus is mm-hmm. connected with all of that, mm-hmm. it, it adds a layer of depth to our understanding in the midst of this chaos, how beautiful slowing down mm-hmm. is how beautiful it is to be able to take our time to breathe and process mm-hmm. and everything yeah yeah the the feeling of enoughness yeah. there is enough it's okay to mourn this this person this job this relationship this version of yourself that never came to be because there's something else for you like yeah. you know there's enough it's okay to if you think that this is the last meal you'll ever eat you're gonna have all these emotions about that meal but when you know that there's dinner tomorrow night too, it's less of a tumultuous, you know, right. you just enjoy it for what it is, yeah. good or bad. And so I think that that like slowing down, I know some people are probably out there like he makes everything about slowing down, but <laughs> yes, I do. And so do you. Um, <clears throat> that slowing down and allowing yourself to process it without fear, right? Mm-hmm. If you're afraid that you're going to get stuck in it, you probably will. Like, like, yeah, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you're so afraid of being depressed all the time, you'll either run away from sadness so much that you end up depressed or you'll become depressed because you just think that's who you are. It's ingrained into you. Yeah. You convince yourself that this is my reality. This is who I am. Every couple of weeks I can't get out of bed for a week, you know, Um, and that's just not, you're you, you're not those things. Right. It it, it just shows you have not fully like processed your emotions in the healthiest way because you can't see the hope or the, the, uh, the, like even like we were talking about like, man, like this is so overwhelming and it's almost like saying like, yeah, but don't you believe God can still provide? Like, is God mm-hmm. big enough to provide, mm-hmm. you know? And like, and, but like a lot of people are like, nope. Yeah. You know, even the story of like Naomi, when she's like, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. It's like, uh, in, in Ruth one, you know, when she's like, her name means delight in the Mara's misery. We talked about that in the, in the sermon, but I'm like, that's all like we can do. We can convince ourselves, yep. you know, like this is where we are. And yeah. so, yeah. And I think the, the belief that a lack of resilience always comes from the belief that you can't mm-hmm. or that you're not made to. Yeah. But we're made to, I, I know that I, I think it was wise for you to open your sermon on Sunday with. I could have used a joke, but I'm not going to. I know you were talking about the amazing clip that I sent you of the Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> I, I almost want to play it right now, <laughs> but um, uh, which I probably will put it in so that you guys know what I'm talking about. But what I love the takeaway from that funny thing is like this idea that like yeah, I I am meant to have all the emotions. Yeah, like the only thing that leads. A lot of the times what leads to bad mental health, sure, there's definitely like genetics involved, there's neurological realities, but one of the things that really pushes us there um, is the belief that we're not supposed to feel sad or angry or yeah. 
alone or whatever. And so, yeah, we get we get into that part of the emotional pool and we can't our toes don't touch anymore and we freak out and then boop down yeah. you go cuz you're you're panicking. But you can swim. Totally. Like I think you know, um like I'm listening to the book you suggested about um it's oh, not always it's depression. It's not always depression. Great and book. um and you know, even even non-Christian like research is just pointing to essentially like the the genetic and the predisposition right. or whatever like that pool is way smaller yeah i mean yeah than you think it is you know in terms of like that's your story of some mm-hmm. kind of level like mm-hmm. the, like just the way that people are just talking about emotions and engaging them our ability to swim yep you know yeah yeah absolutely um so again we could keep going on and on but you and i both have you have more dental work to get time <laughs> <laughs> i have some meetings and I'm going to a hockey game tonight. Oh, wow. Yeah, going to see the Washington Capitals. That'd be fun. Yeah. I know my brand is that I don't like sports, but I actually do kind of like hockey. <laughs> so hockey is one of the best sports to watch live. Yeah, because it's fast. Yeah. And it's crazy. <laughs> I have not seen professional. I've seen college and in, in high school, but um, one of my friends is recently was just like, man, he goes, I love sports and all sports, but hockey is my favorite sport to watch live. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it was one of the only sports that I was really into for for like four or five years around the time Cash was born I got super into the Caps mm, okay. and uh, like had gear the whole thing and then during one of the Stanley Cups they lost to the Pens and I got so depressed that Jenny was like I don't think you can watch sports anymore <laughs> she was like you just can't handle it emotionally now you can because you I, can appreciate your sadness that's right so I'm going to go to a Capitals <laughs> game tonight um, so we have things to do. We're going to cut it off. Um, if you have thoughts, questions, quips, comments, quotes, want to share, um, you can do that by emailing staycurious at hillcityrva.com. Make sure to, um, if you want, throw us a review or a rating, share the episode so that others can get in on the conversation. And as always, until next time, remember to stay curious. curious.